Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friend is Jamie Foxx. Also joining us for his third appearance on Get Up in the Cool is Scotty Leach. We recorded this in January at my home in Portland, Oregon. Get Up in the Cool is listener-supported. If you like the show and want me to be able to keep making it, please sign up to fund the show on Patreon. Just go to getupinthecool.com and click the button that says Patreon. And uh, check out the exclusive rewards for supporting the show. Speaking of which, shout out to Walter Clark for supporting Get Up in the Cool. Your help means a lot, man. This episode is brought to you by the Earful of Fiddle Music and Dance Camp. Earful of Fiddle is an immersive lakeside music and dance camp in Rodney, Michigan, whose mission is the use of traditional music and dance as community building entertainment, fostering creative arts practice. Now, in its 11th year, Earful of Fiddle provides instruction in percussive dance, song, fiddle, guitar, banjo, mandolin, cello, and uke, as well as informal music sessions and evening dances from June 23rd to the 28th. 2019. This year's instructors include Ruby John, Bruce Bauman, Jake Blunt, Michael Ling, Nick Garris, and Danielle Emblem. Doesn't that sound great? Also, I'm going to be there recording live Get Up in the Cool episodes, so please come hang out with us. To register, visit earfuloffiddle.com or follow the link in the show notes in your podcast app or this episode's Facebook post. I want to thank Elderly Instruments in Lansing, Michigan for sharing Get Up in the Cool online with their customers and increasing the reach of the show. Next time you need an instrument upgrade or new music gear, visit their online store at elderly.com. If you want to advertise with Get Up in the Cool, you can buy an ad spot by going to getupinthecool.com and clicking store. Make sure to stick around after the interview and I'll tell you how to keep up with my guests. But first, here's my interview and jam with Jamie Foxx. Enjoy.
Jamie Fox, welcome to Get Up in the Cool. Thank you. Scotty Leach, welcome back. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I did not know about Métis fiddling until uh, I was in on tour in Australia, and um, coincidentally, I was touring with um, Gareth Buland, who went to where that is from <laughs> and learned uh, a handful of tunes. And I like played my first one uh, for the for the first time a couple months ago, and I was like, "This is so great!" And so then, when Scotty told me that when I saw the Tiki Parlor like announcement, mm -hmm. and when Scotty told me that you were coming through, I was really excited. And I was like, I hope she is willing to teach me a couple tunes. So cool. yeah, I'm so glad you're yeah. here. That was amazing. What did we just play? Um, we played a set of reels, a um, couple from Andy DeJarlis, one's Barn Raising, the second one's um, Ice on the Road, okay. and the third one is Blue Mountain Hornpipe. Yeah. So the first two I learned from a fiddler named Jimmy LaRock of North Dakota, Turtle Mountain Reservation, North Dakota. And the third one I learned from Scotty. Wonderful. Is, yeah. <laughs> so um, are all three of those within the Métis fiddling tradition? Yeah. And so, um, wait, can I ask you what tune you learned from the fiddler, the Métis? I wish I remember it? what it was called. Do you remember the region that he um, mm -hmm. got the tunes from? Mm, well, I think he was in Canada. Okay. And not, So yeah, I think he was on that side. Yeah. I think. Yeah. But... So I don't remember the name of the tune, sorry. Maybe I could just talk about, you know, what is Métis? Where does the music come from? I wish is you would. That would be fantastic. It, yeah. Is it from an actual area? But I think the term Métis really... When, peop, when people with a musical background hear it, they initially just say, Canada. It's right. only in Canada. Uh -huh. um, but there's issues behind that. Because there's Métis north and south of the Canadian border. It's just defined in a different terms. Um, indigenous populations in the Canada portion and in the U.S., the treaties and the reservation systems and the identity issues are actually quite different based on government standards. Okay. So when you hear the term Métis, it's a French word that means mixed. And then when people relate the term to Métis in Canada as being a Canadian thing, it's great because I think Canada is one step ahead the U.S. when it comes to indigenous rights. Sounds about yeah. right. Yeah. So they, they acknowledge Métis as, an, as a people. Okay. As like a tribe. Or maybe they don't have, they're, called, they're what you call landless natives. They right. don't have an area that they could say is theirs. But the government still gives them the term of an acknowledgement as like, you are a people yeah. and you are Métis. Interesting, but the the word is French. Yes. So, like the the name of their ethnic group is Métis, but but it's not a. Um, I guess it's that's pretty similar for a lot of native communities in the states, except for like a lot of them are, like the very few of them are, not mixed. But like to have that in your name is really interesting. Yeah. Well, I think everybody's mixed because I right. I grew up in Montana on the Fort Belknap Reservation. And so we have blood quantum to be a member of the reservation. So that yeah. means I have to have so much blood, native blood, to be a member. Right. And to have the benefits are I could inherit a piece of land. Sure. Or to tell you the truth, there's not a lot of benefits to uh -huh. having a, this card that says I'm so much native. Right. 
Um, so with that, having a card and saying, you know, it's only 75% native, a lot of people don't want to say they're mixed. They would just want to be native as much as they can. Yeah. So this, the term Métis in the southern part south of North of America, south yeah. of the border, it's not really um, welcoming. And then right. also the government doesn't acknowledge it. They don't say like, oh, they're a mixed, this is a mixed people. It's either you're native or you're not. Right. And so a lot of people off and on the reservation have that thought process. It's like that one drop rule kind of like yeah. <laughs> mentality, maybe both ways. Yeah. And it, yeah. it's funny, say like, what's your background? Um, uh, I think uh, Dutch. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> German, something like that. Yeah. And do you feel like you're more, you should only be Dutch and may, and be too scared to say you're German or vice versa? Do no. you have this? So that's what, yeah. that's what the, the mixed people grow up with. I think that's what all natives grow up with in general, because during the fur trade era, it was just inevitable. People mix. Yeah. People fall in love. Things happen. Yeah. I mean, love doesn't see color. That's right. really... A corny thing to say but but it's well, true yeah and um so when you're when a government puts these rules on you to say you could only be this yeah then that that gives a lot of identity issues of like well am i just indigenous should, should i think that i'm and practice only native things or can i be both and acknowledge my other side yeah um so in canada that's yeah. It's more a healthy term. But so when people think of Métis fiddling, of course the thing that pops up is, oh, it's a Canadian thing. Right. Well, south of the border, there's a lot too. There's a lot of reservations that are bordering this imaginary line called the U.S.-Canadian uh -huh. border. And I grew up in one of those communities. But your community would not identify as Métis. Well, it, it's different. There's a, we have a North community and a South community um, on the Fort Belknap Reservation. We've got the agency in the North and then a small town called Hayes and Lodgepole area. And in the South, it's more, I think it's more open to saying, I am mixed. Okay. Are, are the, kind of the non-correct term that we would use ourselves. We're half-breeds. Uh-huh. And we, there's a lot, it's more healthy to say like, oh yeah, I'm a half-breed and it's fine. Yeah. But some people don't identify with that and there's good reason for it. You know, the genocide of indigenous people was huge. Yeah. And we're struggling to keep native languages and our culture and our dancing. And I mean, there was even laws against practicing our own religion until the 1970s. Yeah. So that's really restricting indigenous people to be like, now I'm going to practice this and preserve it as much as possible and i understand that side and i feel that way yeah but some days i feel because i play fiddle and i come from a mixed family i feel like i could be both yeah but then sometimes when i go off the reservation and i'm around no natives at all around not around my culture i'm like well what what should I identify with that's going to be easy for me where there's not a lot of racial bias? Right. Because a lot of, you know, so it's really confusing in the States to think that way. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's yeah, it. I can only, uh, I mean, I can't imagine. <coughs> yeah. Yeah, and one, so, so there is Métis fiddling in the United States. Okay. It's just not as known. That's just a huge term. Like, to say Métis is to, and to do it justice, you have to unpack it for a while because yeah. it's so complicated. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and that's one of the reasons that I'm, I'm forming this project with Scotty. And we're calling it Medicine Line, or maybe it'll turn into something else, but it's just to bring awareness of there is this culture in the States. Yeah. And um, it's more than just playing tunes. It's just, I think it's just kind of a defining what identity is. And you don't have to be Indigenous or Métis to come to the shows or hear about it. Yeah. I think it relates to everybody. But... The number one thing is just to say there is Métis music in the States and actually there's, you go in North Dakota, you go to Minnesota, you go in Wisconsin, you even go to native communities in the South, such as the Choctaw area in Oklahoma, everywhere there's fiddling. Arizona, yeah. the Apaches have their own fiddle, but it's not known. Yeah. Because a lot of people, a lot of the people in the United States not everyone has ever been to a reservation. I don't know if it's because they're scared or, you know, it's very rural. People mm -hmm. don't really go out of their way to go there. Sure. Um, maybe they're, they think that it might be unfriendly. Um, there's a lot of reasons. But if you do go on, on the reservation, we're just normal people. Yeah. Like everybody else. And we do have fiddling. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Great. I mean, we have a lot of different types of music. Yeah. And so that's, that's the, the culture I grew up in. I'm really excited to ask you about how you got into playing this tradition and where you first heard it, all of those things. But let's play, let's play another tune. Okay. Um, what are we going to do next? The oh, we'll do Real Four. Real <laughs> Four and Drops of Brandy. And this is... These are some Métis tunes that you would play for dancing. So they're, they're actually separate dances. Real of Four is its own set dance, and Drops of Brandy is its own set dance. And this is, you would play this north and south of the border. Mm. So I grew up playing it as well. Did you dance to it as well? Yes. And I, I guess I'm curious about the dancing. Is the dancing also of mixed traditions? Are there yeah. indigenous elements in the dance? Yes, both. Yeah. So um, the closest thing that I could come, it's, I'm not an ethnomusicologist, so I'm not like digging super deep. But when I travel places, the closest <coughs> thing I could relate to is if you ever go to um, like a Kaylee dance or maybe some set dancing like in Cape Breton. Okay, yeah. It's very relatable to me because it's the same types. We have a jig set. We call it a first change. And then we have a reel set. Then we have step dancing. Um, so I think it is, if you imagine when the Europeans and non, when everyone was traveling over and immigrating to North America, you could just feel all the different types of dancing and cultures mixing in. Yeah. And then the f fiddle music is a little different. It's the same types of tunes from Europe, but the bowing and the feel is, has an indigenous twist on it mm. that I'll get into more detail. Okay, so, fantastic. So here's real four. Let me change my key. Here. Okay. 
Oh, that was fun playing with a banjo. That was I'm great. so glad. <laughs> yeah, that was fun playing with you too. Oh man. So reel of four and, and drops, drops of, brandy. of brandy. Yeah. Beautiful. So and then you talked about how, you know, is there any do you hear the influences of cultures? But you could hear it in the tunes too. Because um the last tune, Drops of Brandy, that's originally an Irish slip jig. A slip I don't know what that means. That's a a six eight um jig that kind of curls around where it doesn't oh. have an ending it just keeps looping interesting um yeah but, that does yes yeah, <laughs> yeah so i'm sure sense. somewhere down the line uh the irish fiddler whoever where it came from someone heard the tune and made it their own and then it instead of becoming a jig it, they turned it you know it became faster some parts were missing yeah. someone added something and then it turned into this really crooked reel and someone made a, <laughs> a set dance to it and you know just like defining the term metis it's just mixing and mixing and mixing mixing, mixing. yeah yeah <laughs> so when did you first hear this music was it everywhere or how many people were playing it when you're growing um, up well when i in my earlier childhood i grew up in the community, the southern community on the reservation, Hayes, Montana, and you heard it all the time. You heard it at Saturday night dances, you heard it at gatherings, family parties, um, wakes, funerals, mm. any type there was a, any time there was a gathering that was fiddling and also a mixture of drumming. Like we mixed our cultures of, we had our traditional native ceremonies. So say, Say we had a family member pass away. Mm -hmm. So we, on the evening, would have a wake. And that's usually when we'd have the fiddling and guitar. And if you've ever been to a, a native funeral... I have not. No. It's more... It's, there's some mourning, but not... It's way different than off the reservation. Would you play a tune like this yeah. at a wake? Yeah. Cool. So it's more of a <laughs> celebration. That. Yeah. And the whole... Everyone on the res knows each other, so everyone goes to the wake. It's a big celebration. Mm. We feed people and we play music. And then the next day, that's when we would do our traditional in, uh, native ceremonies. But so not necessarily, you wouldn't necessarily, so they're, they're sort of different. Times. Yeah, and, so you have yeah. like, okay, we're going to do our uh, more modern uh, response to this here, and then we'll do our like more culturally specific things the next day yeah or yeah. sometimes uh last just, year we had a we just had a town hall during christmas time and then we had a round dance but some then my brother and my cousins and the other fiddlers we'd play some tunes and then they'd mm. bring out the drums and have a round dance again okay so sometimes it's it's the same we okay, have it yeah. the same evening. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so I grew up in that environment. When you're saying you're seeing fiddling all the time, like how many, I guess how many people were in your community? Like how, lar how large of a community it is? Um, well, I think, well, the, the tribe that I'm most affiliated with, there's about 5,000 of us. Okay. And then the other tribe, the Nakoda, I believe, I don't know, 8,000, 10,000, I okay. think. So there's about six to 10,000 in the community. And how many of those people were are playing Métis fiddling? Well, when I was younger, there was probably 15 people who pl 15 fiddlers. 
Okay. And a lot of guitar players. Yeah. And everyone knew the dance. Wow. Awesome. Um, it was healthy. And so I just, you just heard it. It was just a normal yeah. thing. And I remember always seeing, seeing it. And uh, one day my parents bought a little fiddle, you know, a hundred dollar one. Yeah. But we didn't do anything with it. And then uh, we eventually would go to one of our neighbor's house named Fatty Moran, who was probably the best fiddler on the reservation. And he just sat at home and was an artist in all sorts. He did sculpting, he did paintings, mm. poetry, but his best thing he was known for was fiddling. So we would go to his house and he didn't necessarily teach us. And when I say us, I mean my older brother Vince, who's two years older than I am. We just hang out at his house. And finally we got enough nerve and confidence uh -huh. to say, can we try? Yeah. And my brother started and took off with it. And it wasn't, he didn't sit us down and say, all right, this is in the key of something. This right. is, these are the notes. He didn't even show us how to hold the fiddle. Yeah. It was just, he handed just like the fiddle. Try and, cat, try and keep up. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, Was he excited to have young people wanting to learn? Yeah, he was. Cool. And he taught his, he has his sons who play music, mm. who's still on the reservation, still playing. And uh, yeah, he mentored a lot of people. And I think, like, he would even make cassette practice tapes for us and give little speeches on the cassette saying, oh, you, know, um, you know, you're the next generation, make sure you keep the ball rolling. Yeah. Here's this, these set of tunes. Hmm. So he, he had his own way of being supportive in that way. So, he, yeah, he handed over the, the ownership of the music really readily. Like, yeah. I don't want these to die. Yeah. And, so when yeah. we started playing, probably within, we only really knew him for maybe seven, eight years, and then he passed away. Mm. So it was really a gift to actually go. Good timing. Yeah, good timing. Yeah. And his son is still alive, named Chug Warren, and my cousin Keith Hawley, and my dad, who plays guitar, my brother Vince plays fiddle. I had a cousin named Charles Ryder, my age, he was a great fiddle player, he passed away though and uh there's a few kids dabbling away so there's not a lot left mm. and a lot of people are forgetting the dances and when we do have a dance it's maybe a quarter of the people will know what to do yeah because there used to be da the dances where everyone knew they didn't have to have a collar right you just go right into the set dancing or the step dancing and now people need guidance because there's no one around to tell them. Yeah. That's dying out. Is that stressful? I think it's stressful, but when we talked earlier how it's, it's complex on identity. Yeah. There's a lot going on the reservation, a lot of positive things. Whereas we have an immersion school for our language. Oh, good. Um, a lot of... There's a lot of healthy, positive uprising in indigenous rights and being proud of who you are instead of this depressive culture it, it kind of used to be. But now mm. it's, it's flipping. Awesome. Yeah, so, <laughs> that's, so that's the awesome part. So the, on, uh, good. on my native side, I'm so excited and so proud that it's happening. But one of the downside is, is 
they're not focused on the fiddling anymore. Right. Is is that because the fiddling is like mixed and yeah. it doesn't represent like the older thing that also exactly. is important to preserve. Yep. Oh man. So, so you don't want to take up too much space. Yeah. But it's also such a neat tradition. Oh man. Exactly. And it was more of um like I think fiddling and dancing was a really like a peacekeeping thing you kept in the middle. Yeah. Whereas when we did have our Saturday dances it was no one talked about being more native no one talked about making fun of you being half breed no one talked yeah. about m someone owning this land and you not being enough native to own this land like everyone just had fun dancing yeah and so playing fiddle that was a great thing because you forgot all about that it's draining to think about that sure so you have that within the reservation and then when you go off into the border towns and especially in the state of Montana, there's a lot of racism. So I've been a, through Montana. <laughs> yeah, so it's a lot of battling yeah. of who you are and yeah. what you should be, what you should be proud of, what you should focus on. But whenever I play fiddle anywhere, on the reservation, off the reservation, I don't think of that, and that's healthy. And so I wish people would bring the fiddling back for that reason. I think like a backstory of how I really started playing fiddle should be told. Please. And it was. Um, it has to do with my parents. Yeah. And I'm really thankful for them. So, my mom, Crystal, she's, she's what people. If you look at her on the reservation, people will be like, "Oh, she's a half breed." You mm. know, she's lighter skinned. She grew up in the family that she knew the traditional, indigenous ways. She knew it. She didn't boast about it. Yeah. But just because her skin was a little lighter, there was a lot of conflict within yeah. her friends and family, and then off the reservation. <laughs> so because on the reservation, she was too light. Yeah. Then she goes off the reservation. You could tell she's mixed. She's too dark. Yeah. So she grew up in her young youth, like, what am I? What, what am I supposed to be? Because no one talked about being mixed back then. It was kind of taboo and... You don't want to be white in any sort of way. They're the enemy. That's what the mentality was. Yeah. And then my dad, he had, in his previous marriage, before he got married to my mom, he was with, um, his marriage was with a woman from the Turtle Mountain Reservation in North Dakota, where there's a very healthy mixture in the identity of being mixed. Okay. And so he knew about the Métis culture of fiddling, step dancing, and... The language of Cree and French, it's called Michif. Then when he came back... Oh, neat. Yeah. So it's like a, it's almost like Creole or something. Yeah. yeah. It's just a... It's just halfway in between. Like. A cultural cousin of that cool. Creole language. And so he knew all about it and he could see how beautiful the culture was and how healthy it was over there. And later on in life, my dad and mom got together. And it was on the Fort Belknap Reservation and, you know, not really talked about, but you could, my mom still struggled of her identity. And my dad could recognize that and was like, I want to sh show you something. And it was the fiddling and the dancing and the food and everything about the culture. He's like, it's beautiful. You don't have to be scared to be 
mixed. You can focus on your other side, whether that be indigenous or non-native. And uh, so one of the big things of Métis culture is fiddling and the dancing. That's what makes it special. Yeah. And so my brother and I, naturally, not because they pushed us or not because they introduced us, it was just because we seen it. And it naturally happened that my brother and I liked to, we wanted to learn fiddle. And it all came together at this one, this moment of time where my mom was like, finally, finally she knows who she, she's comfortable yeah, yeah. with who she is. And she knows who she is. And then she has these kids who play fiddle. And I think that depression flipped in her to where now she's, she's proud of who she is. Yeah. And she has kids that plays this. And she, she knows the culture. And so, I don't know, it was just perfect timing when it came to her identity issues. So, me So there's a lot writing up, like yeah. writing on your music. Wow. Yeah. So growing up, oh, man. I, I feel like I had a more healthy environment of who I am. I like celebrating both sides. I like being Aani and Nakota, and I like being French and Scottish and Irish. And I'm comfortable with that on and off the reservation. But a lot of people aren't. That's really beautiful um, and fortunate that you that it's been a positive identity forming thing for you. Yeah. Because I could also see how with all of that pressure, especially from like your mom and dad, I could also see how it would be like there's too much wrapped up in this. I'm going to leave it alone. Like, yeah. I think it's really neat that like you <laughs> that you're able to use that as a way to like feel uh, good about yourself and your identity. And I think fiddling is a big thing, a helpful thing. Because if I didn't have music or the dance, but I still had the issues of the mix, I think I, I would dwell on it and be depressed. And I could understand the people that have a hard time who are teased on that situation. Yeah. So but you have a tra- literally a tradition of expressing being mixed. Yeah. T- to put all of that energy into. Yeah. That's amazing. And it all ties in. There's a, a man named Louis Riel. If you don't know him, you should Google him. He's, he, was, he led a rebellion against the Canadian government and the U.S. government about indigenous mixed rights. So a lot of people who were mixed were killed or not wanted anywhere. You know, they were just, all these Métis people were just wandering. Yeah. But he stood up and were like, these are, these are human beings. Why are they shunned from everybody else? And he, you could see the mixed culture of the fiddling and the step dancing. And um, he said one thing that will help Métis people with their identity and help them be comfortable. He made a quote that said, his people will sleep for 200 years, meaning the Métis people. They'll be quiet, not knowing what to do, but it'll be the artists that give them, that bring them up again. Mm. And so now we do have this fiddling tradition that defines Métis people. And so I think that's, it's true, that's cool. Mm. So you have a, a solo fiddle tune for us? Yeah, it was, um, it's called Empty Canoe. And it was my teacher, Fatty Moran, taught it to us. And he said it was a, instead of saying it's a reel or a step dance, he would, he called it, this is a, 
a moccasin dance. What, so, yeah, what does it mean? So when we, when Fatty would play dances, that we, um, in the southern community there used to be this round hall. Everyone just called it the round hall. And there in the bottom floor was that have powwows and celebrations, you know, people in their regalia, their moccasins and buckskin and colorful beadwork and feathers and bells. Um, but on the top floor, there'd be fiddling. And so sometimes people would go up and down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was like this big cultural barrier. The half-breeds up top and then the, oh, man. the native culture on the bottom. But you want to get a little bit of both. Yeah, so, some, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, during our celebrations, whether it's powwow or fiddling, we're all a community, and that's when everything's erased of identity. Yeah. We're just relatives. That's when we're one people. And so we'd have um, people come up in their moccasins, and they'd do a step dance. Oh, man. And that's not really a traditional serious thing. Yeah. It's more if it was fun, and it was comical, and it's something... To make people laugh. And when you talk about reservations and people think, the outside people think of this depression and all this. If you actually go to a reservation and you have some native friends, you're always going to be laughing. We're so good at laughing at ourselves. Comedy is the number one. And I think if you, it's, I think it's a defensive way of combating these racial things and depression that no one wants to talk about and so for us to have someone do a step dance or a moccasin dance it was fun and it was like bridging the two cultures yeah. together and so this would be a tune that would be played for when someone would come up and dance in their moccasins hmm. and it's a it's a weird reel it doesn't make sense in a lot of fiddling cultures but for us it does yeah <laughs> it's very crooked meaning you know there's some Beats that are missing uh, or added, and uh, I would yeah. love for this tune to. I listened to it, it before, and I would love for this tune to make sense to me. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah that would be so cool. And <laughs> I can't imagine. So you know, we grew up in the oral tradition of learning tunes, and there is no thing of this is in the scale of this or mm -hmm. these are the right chords. So it's I don't play this tune a lot outside. Because I don't, I don't have the musical background or guidance to say, oh, this is the chords. This is, and I, I but I want to spread this tune out. So here it is, Empty Canoe.
so cool. It's pretty squirrely, <laughs> squirrely, so odd squirrely. tune. But, uh, I love that. I would love to see someone dance to that. I can't even yeah. imagine what that would look like. Just, um, <laughs> I think the step dancing we do, we call it um, jigging. Uh-huh. But it's not what you would think of a jig of like um, the six, eight time. Sure. And there's a tune we called the Red River Jig. And, uh, or any reel we would do it to, is you would, the first part of the tune, you do a basic step. Mm-hmm. Then the second part of the tune, you do a fancy step. And you, depends on switching your feet or any different type of rhythm pattern. Um, is it an audible sound, the dancing? Is it? Yeah. So, so it's supposed to make noise. Yeah, you, you can make okay. some noise, yeah. but obviously with moccasins you don't. It's <laughs> right. more of the the feeling yeah. and the motion of what you're doing. And um, when I went to Cape Breton the first time and saw their step dancing, it's it's the same thing. And I think that's the Scottish influence of coming over. And on, on my mom's side, there's a little Scottish blood and... You could see it with the dancing and the tunes, so it's it's really a familiar place going to Cape Breton. Hmm. And then I haven't been to actually actual Scotland, so I'd love to see, you know, just to imagine the derivative of the yeah. step dancing and how it, when it came over to North America, and then it's finally made, it way, made its way to Montana, and it's fun to see that trickling down of cultures yeah. mixing. You should definitely go on that pilgrimage yeah <laughs> like, I would like trace to. The, yeah yeah hmm oh man so uh is scotty playing this next tune with us yeah um you, are you ready you're not in the middle of a sandwich <laughs> how did you meet scotty um so uh when i was 15 that was the time i first came out to the northwest okay um, for this Northwest Folklife Festival. Sure. And I never played outside Montana. I mean, I went to up north <coughs> in Canada, or we went to Turtle Mountain in North Dakota to jam with some fiddlers. But it was all Métis fiddling. Mm-hmm. But this festival asked my dad and I to come out to play tunes. Oh, cool. And I met old-time musicians, Irish musicians, all these different types yeah. that I didn't really think of. I always thought it was just the fiddling I grew up with that was what fiddling was. And so we came to the festival, and um, I had these wonderful people in the scene, and especially Warren Argo and Peter McCracken of the Festival of American Fiddle Tunes invited me to come out as a, to come participate. And so in that scene, there's another important figure who I met named David Kaner, and he's good friends with Scotty. He's a great musician who helped a lot with the contra dance scene and mm. just music, folk music in general. So, Scotty was 13 at the time, sleeping in room 204, and David brought me over Well, Scotty was sleeping and grabbed his hand and said, you have to meet this person. Aww. And so I met him while he was sleeping. So he was 13, yeah. I was 15. So we met at the Fe- Festival of American Fiddle Tunes. And then over the years, we would see each other once in a while, but we never really knew each other. 
in just the past Did you years, wake up for that? No. No, he was Toby. <laughs> <laughs> still no. <laughs> no. I know. No, no. We almost kind of gravitated towards each other. Yeah. Slowly. Yeah, I don't remember what it what it took exactly. It was when you lived in Olympia, though, and I was living in Olympia. Yeah. That was what did it, because then mm-hmm. it was easy. It was easy to hang out, and then yeah. I'd come over to your house. We'd made pies together. We have these great photos of us making, uh, making um, pie. With musical instruments. Yeah, we, we made like one with an accordion. We made one with a banjo on it that uh, didn't really <laughs> look like a banjo. Well, that was fine. <laughs> okay, okay. Great, great. <laughs> yeah. Say no more. <laughs> and then we, I think we just went our separate ways. You went to college. I was doing my career, and yeah, we just started playing music together. And, and I play with some other people, which is fun. But when I have Scotty backing me up, I feel, I honestly feel like I'm a better player. Mm-hmm. Or it brings a certain energy out that I didn't have before. And um, so I really wanted Scotty to play tunes with me. And I think he took it to the next, he's taken it to the next level for me. Yeah. So I'm using you. <laughs> 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 and we have a good use we, me and we have a good time on the road together we have the same humor yeah. whether that I think that might be a bad thing um, and Scotty's an excellent musician he's known in many worlds the old time world contra dance world yeah. Yeah. now the Métis world um, yeah yeah so he's all happy well, to be here well rounded Fun person to hang out with, great mm-hmm. musician. So, should we play a tune together? All yeah, three let's of us? Yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, so, talking about Scotty's background of being an old time musician and Metis being mixed, I mean, what is old time music? What is Appalachian style? You Two play? sentences. Uh, well, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> it's, uh, it's definitely like uh, music that is an amalgamation of lots of different things, right? Like it's it's a bunch, like the, it comes from Appalachia, a lot of it, and those people are also mixed, right? So yeah. they, they came from all sorts of different places um, for all sorts of different reasons and settled in the same place and then brought with them their own traditions, which then over time fuse and mix and change. And, and that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why we call it the folk process, right? Because yeah. everything develops over time through people's, um, mixing. So, so you, now you have a solid so. title or theme of the culture, the Appalachian fiddling. Right, right. So that's that's what I want Métis to be. Yeah. In the States, too. I want it to be like, this is Métis fiddling. Mm. This. I want it to have a solid title that people understood, understand instead of having this question of, what is Métis? Or what does Métis mean? Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Or, oh, is that a Canadian thing? Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So the tunes we'll play, um, one comes from the New Brunswick area called Moccasin Shuffle. Then we're going to follow it up with a tune I got from Ruthie Dornfeld, um, Saddle Paint. And that's from a Choctaw, or Cherokee fiddler in the American South. So it's a little different twist to them. Thank you. 
Gorgeous. What was the name yeah. of that second one again? The second one is called Saddle Old Paint. Saddle Old Paint. And so that's a Cherokee it was, source. Well, I don't know if it's a Cherokee source, but it was from a Cherokee fiddler. Okay. And uh, it is a weird tune. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know a lot about the tunes from down there. Mm-hmm. But that kind of ties into the project that Scotty and I want to do with our project. We want to team up with other Métis artists or no matter what region they're in, north and south of the border, anywhere. And we have this uh, one in mind that we've been in touch with is Fiddler Nikosi Fields. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he's, he's, a, he's a Choctaw member, and he's working on a project learning these tunes of the Choctaw Fiddlers of Oklahoma. Oh, so hopefully in the future we will have a tour with Nikosi representing that style where I, and then representing where I'm coming from and then tying it all together with the old time tradition and, you know, just talking about and playing tunes of mixed cultures. Beautiful. On the fiddle. Yeah. Good goals. Yeah. Very good. So uh, where do people go to find your music <laughs> and, um, yeah, where do you want people to go to, to follow up? after this episode well since this is such a new uh-huh. duo and I've just started playing fiddle a lot more we haven't established a website okay. or Facebook or anything but but soon I think if you if you type in Jamie Foxx Scotty Leach Métis Medicine yeah. Line. Jamie Foxx 1X. Yeah, with yeah. 1X. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's very important. Yeah, yeah. So if, you, if you're going to Google my name, put Métis first. M-E-T-I-S. Yeah. Jamie Foxx. Right, because otherwise yeah. it'll say, did you mean Jamie Foxx? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then I'll have this like hip-hop album. And yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so in the near, in the future, we're going to do more projects. Yeah. And also, if you just want to learn about the history uh just type in Métis Fiddle in Google. Yeah. It's the easiest thing. Um, read up on Louis Riel. Uh, read up. If you want to listen to music, fiddlers such as Andy Dejarlis, John Arcand, um, Jimmy LaRock, Mike Page. And those are fiddlers from north and the south of the border. Your story is so beautiful and your fiddling is equally beautiful and um, thank you so much for sharing both um, I feel deeply stirred and I don't necessarily know how to process it right now but I feel like I'm going to be thinking about this a lot for a while um, cool. thank you so much yeah and thanks for joining us on the banjo yeah. that was really fun <laughs> thank you for letting me <laughs> well I think it's important to pe- for people to know too on the they always ask at our concerts, what's traditional Métis backing? And it's, it's anything. I mean, the word literally means mixed. Mixed, yeah, so. it's anything. And yeah. I haven't played with a lot of banjos. And I don't smile on stage when I play. But playing with a banjo, yeah, you made me that. smile. So, th- <laughs> so that was a nice, refreshing feeling. I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah. So glad and relieved. Um, what is this last tune that we're going to play? Um, we'll play... Uh, waltz from a fiddler named Reg Bouvet. And Reg was a Métis fiddler. 
his background was half Cree Indian and half Ukrainian. Okay. He's from the Cree area up north, or what you would we would call as Manitoba now. Okay. And I learned this from a fiddler named John Arcand, but Scotty and I just got refreshed on the tune with a, a great fiddler who knows who grew up who was in the Métis culture. Mm. He was a great fiddler named Patty Custerock. And so it's called the Teardrop Waltz. Jamie Foxx doesn't currently have a website or a Facebook page, but you should check out her feature on the Old Time Tiki Parlor website to hear more of her story and more of her playing. I'll make sure to link that in this episode's show notes. If you like Get Up in the Cool and want to make sure I can keep making it, support the show on Patreon and get some exclusive rewards. Just go to getupinthecool.com and click Patreon. For any potential sponsors out there, I'll read ad copy for your music festival, camp, or whatever it is that you're selling. You can buy an ad spot by going to getupinthecool.com and clicking store. You'll get a pretty dramatic discount for buying three or more. 
Thanks again to Earful of Fiddle and Elderly Instruments for all their support. You can register for Earful of Fiddle at earfulofiddle.com and visit Elderly Instruments online store at elderly.com. I still have some room for other old-time schools and festivals in my schedule. If anyone wants to hire me, you can reach me at getupinthecool at gmail.com. I can also teach banjo workshops and perform solo or band sets while I'm there. If you want to hang out with me twice a week, I have another podcast called Think Outside the Box Set. You can find that wherever you get your podcasts or boxset.website. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to get up in the cool.